Welcome to this moving panel's one shot. Let's continue our nerdy little conversation as we look at the legacy of Image Comics, who is celebrating their 30th anniversary this year. And if you didn't hear the first part of this history of Image, this abbreviated history of Image, go back and listen. I talked about the birth of Image, the founding artist, and the reason why it was created as well as uh, a background behind each of the artists. Now, Image, let me make this clear. Image was not the first company to do this. Um, what they did with their creators with having control and ownership was not new. Many independent companies existed. Uh, Dark Horse, probably being one that many people know. Uh, Malibu. Um, so, yeah, like I said, there was Dark Horse that uh, was founded in 1986, a full seven years, uh, six years. Uh, before and it's Dark Horse that we got Sin City, we got The Mask, Hellboy, The Umbrella Academy, but the difference is is that Dark Horse kept a small business model, and it really wasn't until the 2000s that Dark Horse really became a factor in the game. Image was a factor from day one. We talked about the Youngblood issue selling 1.5 million copies. Uh, for this brand new company. Image also wasn't the first company to be created from talent that was leaving Marvel. Uh, in 1988, after attempting to purchase Marvel Entertainment, Marvel's former editor-in-chief, Jim Shooter, along with his attorney, Stephen Masarski, they formed Valiant Comics. And they were mildly successful in the 90s. They never really never really exploded and had that major hit. Uh, there's really, I would almost guess that those of you who aren't big comic book fans only are familiar with one Valiant character and that's Bloodshot because of the Vin Diesel movie from two years ago, which Tim from the 80s week flashback and I covered on this podcast um, just last year. Uh, so go back and listen to that. Uh, and then, of course, as I mentioned, we got Malibu Comics. Malibu Comics gave us Men in Black, uh, Nightman. If you've never heard of Nightman, there was a television show, syndicated television show. And if you've never seen, just watch the intro. Just look up on YouTube the Nightman intro. Uh, woo, you will, you will not be sorry you saw that. Uh, but Malibu, the reason why. We don't talk about Malibu an awful lot is they were actually purchased by Marvel in 1994. But again, however, from uh, for, for the time being, they were actually a part of Image because from 92 to 93, while Image was getting going, Malibu Comics is actually the publisher. They're the publisher of record for Image Comics. So these guys are making their comic books. And Malibu is publishing them. That's how they got out there. Uh, but it was Image that was changing the industry. It was Image that was uh, making this big change in comic books that we were seeing in the 90s. And so for this Moving Panels One Shot, we're going to discuss the impact and the legacy of Image Comics. And to me, it starts with the artwork. So the artwork that image was doing what 
Todd McFarlane was doing with Spawn and the the darker look and the big flowing cape, which, like I said, he did do with Batman uh, earlier, but uh, the cape became its own thing in the image uh, in the Spawn comics. But then uh, Youngbloods and Cyberforce, their characters were nothing but muscle, big muscles, big guns. Um, their costumes just had a whole bunch of pockets and pouches on the costumes. And we saw that Marvel started t- doing some of that. DC started doing some of that. Uh, I mean, Superman, when he came back uh, in the 90s, he had a lot of extra marks on him to indicate more muscle. Uh, we had uh, characters like Cable and Marvel who just had all these pouches all over them. Of course, Deadpool had a lot of pouches. And so there was a lot of influence on the work and the style that Image was creating with their characters that Marvel and DC would decide to use as well. But Image was capitalizing as well on the big animation boom that was happening with superhero cartoons in the early 90s. Batman the Animated Series came out, and people just wanted to ride that wave of superhero comic book-related animation. You know, you had the X-Men the Animated Series. You had Batman the Animated Series. Uh, You had shows like The Tick. Uh, You had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which even though it had existed in the 80s, was still running. Um, But there was this big boom. So... Image actually came in, so you may have seen some of these. So first off, Wildcats was um, was their first attempt at doing an animated cartoon. It aired on CBS in 1994. Let, let, let's run that back. Image only started in 92. And here we have Wildcats, one of their character character groups, getting their own cartoon just two years after they launched. Now... It wasn't extremely successful. It only had 13 episodes. Uh, CBS did make it a part of something they called the Action Zone, along with Teenage Mutant Turtles. But, uh, it, it, but it was a start. It was a start. And it would continue the next year with Savage Dragon. Savage Dragon would air on USA in 95. And a little bit more successful. It actually had two seasons. So 26 episodes. And it's kind of funny, CBS had the Wildcats with something called the Action Zone. USA had Savage Dragon with something that they called the Action Extreme Team, uh, which included that cartoon along with a Street Fighter cartoon, a Mortal Kombat cartoon, a Wing Commander Academy cartoon. Um, And again, a little bit more successful. What's what's fun is that uh, you go back if you go back and watch some of these, and I think you can find uh, some full episodes probably on Savage Dragon. I think the entire series is on Roku. Uh, for those of you who have a Roku, I think you can find the entire series there. But <laughs> Savage Dragon is voiced by Jim Cummings. Now, if you're not familiar with Jim Cummings, Jim Cummings, legendary voice actor. Uh, I could just go through a whole list of characters, but uh, he's more. Uh, well known as the voice of Winnie the Pooh and Tigger. Uh, And at this time in the 90s, some of y'all may know him as the voice of Darkwing Duck. But he's the voice of Savage Dragon, so go check that out. Give that a listen. You'll probably recognize the voice. So a little bit more success. But it would actually be, even though this next one would have fewer uh, episodes, this is what really got noticed. And some of y'all probably already know what I'm talking about. Spawn. Spawn the animated series. Now, 
a lot of people were familiar with this. I was familiar with this. So this was in 1997, and I so wanted to see the Spawn animated series. The only problem was on HBO, and we didn't have HBO. Uh, so I never got to see it until years later. Um, but it ran from 97 to 99. It was kind of spread out. There are only 18 episodes. Um, but we're talking about voice actors with Jim Cumming doing Savage Dragon. Spawn was voiced by Keith David. Legend. Keith David. Uh, for those of you not familiar with the voice uh, that Keith David is, uh, if you watched any like uh, Cartoon Network in the early 2000s, you heard Keith David's voice. Uh, Keith, oh, love Keith David. Uh, Goliath Gargoyles. Love Keith David. But he was the voice of Spawn. It was great. Spawn actually won an Emmy in 1999, the last year that it would air. It won an Emmy for Outstanding Animated Program. I mean, this thing was violent. This thing was violent. This thing was uh, very very much adult. That's why it aired on HBO. And in 1999, it won the Emmy for Outstanding Animated Program. If you haven't seen it, look, HBO Max exists. Look it up. Spawn the animated series. Uh, and then, while the animated series is going on, they released a movie. There's a Spawn movie. We have never talked about it on this podcast yet. Uh, we'll get around to it at some point. But the movie was released in August of 1997. It starred Michael J. White with John Leguizamo and Martin Sheen. And McFarlane actually sold the rights to New Line Cinema for creative control. He wanted, just like the whole reason of Image Comics, he wanted creative control. And he wanted the rights to the merchandising, which is where he just, mm, he, 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 the brilliant. Brilliant. Again, we talked about uh, two weeks ago that some of you might be familiar with the McFarlane line of toys. I mean, McFarlane knows what he's doing in the toy business. And so him hitting that, um, and I'm, I'm guessing it started here with Spawn and getting the rights to um, the merchandising for Spawn. But again, the movie debuted. It debuted at number two, which isn't bad at the time. Again, you got to remember, this was 1997. So this was before we really hit that boom. Yes, we had had the Batman movies. Uh, of course, this was 97. There was a lot of kind of mediocre uh, superhero movies that came out in 97. You had Batman Forever. Uh, I think Steel came out in 97. Uh, there were a couple others. But it debuted at number two. Uh, what was number one? Air Force One. Uh, get off my plane. Uh I'm a big fan of Air Force One, but uh, debuted at number two. It's not the greatest movie. I ain't going to lie. I have heard that they are uh, thinking about bringing it back, uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Now, there would be a little bit of a gap, but they would actually hit live action television in the early 2000s with the television show Witchblade, which aired on TNT from 2001 to 2002. This was a groundbreaker. Uh, I wouldn't say groundbreaker. We had had Wonder Woman. But this was big because it was a female-led superhero show, which you didn't see an awful lot of, and we still don't see an awful lot of. Uh, but it was a female-led super, uh, superhero show. Uh, it starred Yancey Butler um, as the main character. Now, it got canceled, and I'm not going to get into this. I, I just did a little bit of research. It, the consensus seems to be 
that it was because their star Yancey had trouble with alcohol and she had to enter into rehab. Uh, and if that's the case, I'm so glad she was able to do that. Um, but a lot of people say that's what led to the cancellation of the show because it was a huge hit. It was actually one of the top 10 highest rated shows on basic cable. And that's impressive. So let me remind you of this. We start with Wildcats in 94, Savage Dragon in 95. The Spawn animated series starts in 97. The movie's released in 1997. Witchblade comes out in 2001. So before Blade, for some of this, before X-Men, before Spider-Man, and especially before the MCU made comic book movies a major thing, Image had Spawn. When some of the best animated superhero shows were on television, Image was right there with them. And before CW created the Arrowverse, Image had Witchblade. I mean, that if you got to think if that kept going, that could have spawned no no pun intended there more Image live action stuff. We, we don't know, but keep in mind this. I said that Witchblade ran from 2001 to 2002. That means everything I've talked about from Wildcats, Savage Dragon, Everything Spawn, Witchblade. This was all within the first 10 years of Image. You can't tell me that Image did not make an impact. That ha- They have not made an impact. You can't tell me they have not made an impact. You can't tell me that they did not cement their legacy right off the bat. But as we talked about, there were problems inside of Image, and when things started to get bad for Image, Image said, you know what? We're going to branch away from superheroes. The comic books are littered with superheroes, but you go all the way back. Comic books didn't start with superheroes. There were fantasy stories. There were horror stories. There were detective stories. And Image said, let's go back. And let's look for independent artists that are doing something other than superheroes. Let's let's look for things that are different. And they discovered Brian Michael Bendis. Now, if you're not familiar with that name, let me give you a little background on him. So he was an independent comic book artist, and he worked on noir fiction comics. Again, the old classic detective stories. You know, Frank Miller did Sin City, which even though it had a superhero aspect to it, that's that noir kind of feeling. In 1994, Bendis wrote and drew a comic uh, called AKA Goldfish. And I mention this because when he came to Image in 1996, he was doing the comic Jinx, which was a prequel to his AKA Goldfish. You know, we talked about this before about the the artist bringing their characters in to a bigger audience through Image. Um, and this Jinx comic was really it was a loose adaptation of the good, the bad, and the ugly, the Western. But it was a noir version of it. So it's a great read. Uh, give it a look. He he did a Spawn spinoff. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis, uh, a Spawn spinoff that was called Sam and Twitch. 
which again was more based off of just a couple of detectives inside the universe of Spawn, but it wasn't dealing with the superhero aspect of it. Um, but his biggest work with Image was called Powers. Now, this was superhero related, but it was kind of tying it all in together. It was a superhero police slash noir detective series. Uh, I've I've only kind of glanced at Powers, never read any of it, um, but uh, that sounds really interesting to me. And that's been his biggest uh, success while being at Image. Now, you may not be familiar with his work at Image. However, I would almost guarantee you're familiar with his work at Marvel. Because Brian Michael Bendis would be a part of the Ultimate Universe. Now, if you're not familiar with the Marvel Ultimate Universe, that's the universe that pretty much inspired the MCU. He also created Jessica Jones back in 2001. Uh, for those of you who don't remember the Netflix series, which is now on Disney+, Plus, uh, you had Jessica Jones with Christian Ritter. He co-created that character. He wrote uh, some of the biggest... Marvel storylines in the mid-2000s. Avengers Disassembled in 04, House of M in 05, Secret Invasion in 08, and in 2011, Brian Michael Bendis co-created Miles Morales. Uh, the the Spider-Man that everybody loves, the Spider-Man we're, we're waiting to see in live action, but we are so happy we at least have him in the animated movies. Uh, into the Spider-Verse and across the Spider-Verse that's coming soon. Yeah, Brian Michael Bendis. So we wouldn't have Miles Morales Spider-Man. We would not have him if it wasn't for Image going out and finding an artist that was doing something different. Again, the impact, the legacy that Image has. You know who else they found? And this name might ring a bell to some of you. Robert Kirkman. Robert Kirkman. Now, back in 2000, now Robert Kirkman, I think his goal was to always write comics that would be turned into movies and television shows. I really do. Uh, in 2000, he created a comic called Battle Pope, which Spike TV, for those of you who remember what Spike TV was, Spike TV actually turned that into an animated web series. In 2008, web series, they tried to do web series. It was before streaming really was becoming a thing. They tried to do web series uh, on a lot of uh, websites. Uh, they never really picked up steam, but uh, that brought Robert Kirkman into the attention of Image. And he went on to work with Image and he created a, a series called Invincible, which some of you are probably familiar with. It's obviously a very famous uh, cartoon right now on Amazon Prime. Great animated series. I'm so excited for a season two to come. Uh, it needs to come fast. Uh, but season one, and not for kids. I'm going to make that clear. It is not for kids. Uh, but it is amazingly well done. Um, but he's the guy behind it, Robert Kirkman. And the comic was so successful that he pitched the idea to Jim Valentino. We talked about him two weeks ago. He was the head of image at the time. He came to, to Jim Valentino and he said, look, I got an idea for a zombie comic. And Valentino wasn't really, yeah, yeah. Zombie comics don't really sell. 
And he said, well, well, it, it's not just going to be a basic zombie story. He said, okay, all right. So Valentino's going, okay, you, you got a hook. You got something. You're going to lure them in with a zombie, and then what's the hook? And uh, Kirkman said, well, the zombie apocalypse is actually going to be a part of an alien invasion. And Jim Valentino said, ooh, I like that. All right, go with it. Go with it. Of course, Robert Kirkman was lying. And we're okay with that. Because for those of you who don't know, Robert Kirkman, this zombie movie, uh, story, is The Walking Dead. Very successful. Very, very successful comic. Uh, of course, it was turned into the very successful series in 2010. Although I know a lot of people would say it's a series that uh, went a little long and should not have been as long as it was. Of course, it's also had a spinoff, Fear of the Walking Dead. Um, but, I mean, you can't deny, you cannot deny the phenomenon that The Walking Dead was. And that was by Robert Kirkman. And that comic is from Image. They are here. Now... Kirkman freelanced for Marvel while he was with Image. He actually was behind the Marvel Zombies. So not only does he have this highly successful comic book series with The Walking Dead, but he makes what is a huge fan favorite in the Marvel Zombie series. I know some people don't like it. I'm a fan of the Marvel Zombie series. And a lot of people love that episode of What If? Well, you can thank Robert Kirkman for that. And in 2008... Because of how well he was doing, the success he was hit, uh, given, Robert, Robert Kirkman was offered a partnership of Image. He became the first non-founder to become a partner of Image. And this is in 2008. The company started in 92. Now, in 2013, Cinemax bought the rights to another one of his comics called Outcast. Which, um, even they bought it in 2013 and they started making Outcast into a series, even though the comic wouldn't be released until 2014. So let, let me make that clear Cinemax bought the rights to a comic that had yet to be released. Think about that. You have this hot, young, Comic book artist, he's got uh, these huge hits in comics. He's got this huge hit on television. Cinemax just went, eh, we're going to buy the rights to this Outcast comic. And go, well, it's not going to be published until 2014. We don't even know if the comic's going to do good. Don't care. We're buying it. And, and they made it a show. Show aired from 2016 to 2018. That's Robert Kirkman. It's Image. It's The Walking Dead, Marvel Zombies, Invincible, and Outcast. Haven't, haven't ever seen an Outcast, so I can't tell you what it's like as a series. But Image Comics was here, and they were using these independent artists, and they were making big movies. Wanted, the 2013, or not to the, uh, 2008, excuse me, 2008 movie with Angelina Jolie. That was because of Image. It was a limited series done in 2003 by Mark Miller. Same guy who did Superman Red Sun. 
he wrote a comic. It's a loose adaptation, but still, if you're a fan of the movie Wanted, you could thank in Image Comics. 2000, also in 2008, there was a comic book that came out. Also by Mark Miller, same guy who wrote Wanted. He wrote another comic book that got turned into a movie. It's called Kick-Ass. Now, I know some of my comic nerds out there and go, well, Kick-Ass actually was originally published by Marvel. True. But its success came from Image. Because Image knew how to market those independent comics. People went to Image looking for those independent comics. Movie comes out in 2010, and the movie introduces us. I, I don't know if it was his first movie, but I will definitely say it's the movie that put him on the map for me, and that's Matt, director Matthew Vaughn. Let's continue the role there. So we got Wanted, which was a comic book written by Mark Miller. Mark Miller also writes Kick-Ass, which has turned into a movie directed by Matthew Vaughn. Matthew Vaughn then also directs a movie in 2014 called The Kingsman. Or what was the first one called? It was uh, the Kingsman Secret Service or something like that. And then it was Kingsman Golden Circle. And then there was the King's Man was the third one. Well, guess what? Those are based off of comic books written by Mark Miller. That's right. Back in 2012 was when he uh, did the first of those. You know these movies. There was another television show that's based off of Image Comic. Uh, you may not be as familiar with that, but it's called Happy. I was a huge fan of Happy. I actually wanted to... Uh, I haven't seen season two. There is a there is a second season. Uh, I think I started it, but it didn't grab me as well as the first one did. But uh, in 2012, it was a comic book created by the legendary comic book artist Grant Morrison. Uh, Sci-fi turned it into a television show. It's out there. Take a look. Happy. Uh, although not turned into a movie or television show, I want to talk about another image comic that is huge, and that's called Saga. Uh, this is a 2012 epic space fantasy. Uh, it centers around a couple. Uh, it's kind of like a Romeo and Juliet thing. Uh, they, they're, they're from two different alien races that don't like each other, uh, and they have a child, and they're on the run. Um and it's a, I've glanced at Saga. I haven't fully gotten into Saga, but uh, it looks like it's a great story. It's one that you would really have to get invested in, I do think. Uh, it is a female artist, which I th- is great. Um, it actually outsold The Walking Dead. So that gives you an indicator of how good this comic is. It outsold The Walking Dead. And though the writer and the artist have said they don't want to turn into a TV show or movie, that hasn't stopped uh, people from not only trying to turn it in, but referring to it in other shows. It was actually brought up in an episode of Supernatural. And, I mean, this kind of seems obvious. It was brought up in an episode of The Big Bang Theory. So uh, check that one out. Saga, again, it's one I need to, to go back in and read, but it's a huge hit. In 2015... Image released a comic called Paper Girls, which is a sci-fi mystery. Uh, it's a group of paper delivery girls who get wrapped up in a, some sort of like time travelers war. I have not read Paper Girls. I'm not even going to 
act like I have. But I do want to mention it because it has been made into a television show that should come on Amazon Prime later this year. So Image is still doing it, still making things. Uh, there's a comic, 2015, same year as Paper Girls, uh, Monstrous, which was a fan. It's a fantasy written by uh, Marjorie Liu. And I want to mention her. I don't know if this is being made in television show or anything. I've never actually read it. But I want to mention Marjorie Liu because she won the Eisner Award for Best Writer in 2018 because of Monstrous. Okay, so it's a good comic. Yeah, but here's another impact, another legacy that Image Comics leaves. Marjorie Liu became the first woman in history to win in that category. Best Writer. 2018. And that was only four years ago. And we got the first woman winning Best Writer Eisner Award. That is the legacy of Image Comics. Marvel didn't have that. DC didn't have that. It was Image Comics. You might also be familiar. I'm, I'm not familiar with the comic. I actually haven't seen the movie yet. But The Old Guard, the Charlize Theron uh, Netflix movie from 2020. It was a 2017 comic from Image. So there's another one. But what do I think Image's biggest legacy is? Out of all this, you got you got all this. What do I think their biggest legacy is? Creators no longer have to try to get in with Marvel and DC. They don't have to work for nothing trying to make it to one of the big guys. They can create their own comics, their own characters, and they can re release them independently. It, and it doesn't have to be through Image now. They, they can do it on their own. They can do it through Boom. They can do it through IDW. But it's because of Image that they can do that now. And they can still be successful. Image was a company founded by a group of young rebels fighting back against Marvel and DC, and though they never toppled both of them, again, they knocked down DC for a little bit, but they shook the foundation. And Image continues. Spawn and Savage Dragon are still released to this day. You can still go and pick up a Spawn comic. You can still go up and pick a Savage Dragon comic. The Walking Dead, again, it's still a highly viewed and highly rated show. Invincible is a hit on Amazon Prime. There's going to be a Paper Girl show. Netflix is already planning a sequel to The Old Guard. Bloomhouse is planning a reboot of Spawn. And man, Bloomhouse... This isn't for my podcast, but Bloomhouse is pretty much doing the same thing that Image did in comics. Bloomhouse is doing it in horror movies. Something I'm sure James could, could do a whole podcast on. Image is a huge part of the comic world. Image is here. Image came in and changed everything. And I wanted to recognize them on their 30th anniversary. I hope you've enjoyed this look into Image. Look, if you haven't already, go back and listen to our other anniversary shows from this month. We discussed the 1982 film Conan the Barbarian, 2012's The Avengers. Go ahead and give us that five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a written review. Those go a long way in promoting the show. Look, I'm the little guy here. 
I'm not saying I'm going to take out the big guys, but show your support for us little guys who are working for the the art that we love. I love talking about movies. I love talking about the comics. Do I think I'm an expert in any of it? No. But I have a passion for it. I love it. And that's the same thing these artists had. They had a passion. They loved what they did, and they just wanted the recognition. So if you're listening to this podcast, please just write something. Just write. Love the podcast. Give us that five-star review. Let other people, it lets other people know that we're out there. When they do searches, it moves us up into the searches so people can find us. And I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about the 80s flick flashback. I'm talking about Interview with a Horror Virgin. I'm talking about Pop Culture Roulette. If you like what we are sitting here making for you, let other people know. Spread that word. Now, we're done with the anniversaries. And next week, in the month of July, tune in. My wife, my lovely wife, Bethany, her, she and I just celebrated our 10-year anniversary. Well, she's a huge uh, true crime. I, I mean, I am too. But uh, she is very much into true crime. And so we are going to discuss an unusual comic book uh, and an unusual comic book movie. And again, another one of those independent ones, My Friend Dahmer. So check that out next week. Before today, for Moving Panels, I'm Laramie Wells, and I'll see you on the other side of the page. love movies of a certain age? Do you miss the days of VHS tapes and VCRs and video rental stores? Is the thought of another 80s movie being remade seem inconceivable? If you want to go back to school, back to the future, or even back to the beach, then the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast is for you. I'm Tim Williams, the creator and host, and on each episode, I'm joined by a guest co-host as we revisit a different 80s flick to discuss our first-time watch memories, iconic scenes, and even learn some behind-the-scenes stories along the way. New episodes drop every other Friday on your favorite podcasting platform. So make like a tree, get out of here, and go listen to an episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. What seems to be the problem, pal? There's just so much pain in the world, so many issues. I don't think I can bear it. Well, friendo, it sounds like you could use a dose of pop culture roulette. Pop culture roulette? What's that? Some sort of pop culture-themed podcast or something? That's right, sonny boy. When hope seems far, dive into some PCR. But I already get my entertainment news from Variety. Huh, that's pretty good. If you're a chucklehead, PCR gives you news you need, condensed, unfiltered, and raw, from three nerds who know a little something about something. Wow, okay, sign me up. That's the spirit. Pop Culture Roulette. New episodes every Monday, available on all major podcast directories.